You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 117. Ethics and character in 4K? Hey everyone, Tim Robertson, tech fan number 117, flying solo this week. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what, half week late, but David and I couldn't get together again on uh, Friday when we usually record the podcast, and once again, that's my fault, not David's, don't blame him at all. It's uh, it's the nature of the beast sometimes, you know, you're, you're doing well in your job, and uh you know, it, it takes away from other things, and you know, I love you guys and and all, but if if the choice is spending a little bit less time with the family when I've been gone a lot, or skipping doing the podcast, well, the podcast is going to lose. I love doing the show; don't get me wrong, but look, we're all in those situations that you have to make a choice, and if you don't put your family first. Not really a man, are you? At least I don't think so. But, you know, that was the situation. Uh, things had to happen on uh, Friday when David and I record the podcast and uh, got in the way. Hopefully we'll get together this Friday, a couple days from now, and uh, get Tech Fan number 118 up and running. But still, I wanted to uh, record, even if it's an abbreviated podcast this week, to get something out there because I got a few things on my mind. And uh, even if I'm doing it solo, that's fine. It's not like uh, I haven't done a solo show before, but I used to do them quite a bit. That being said, I really enjoy and I really dig doing, uh, you know, the banter back and forth between David and I. I was listening to, you know what kind of got me in the mood to do a, a podcast today more than anything? Um, driving in here to uh, Chicago from West Michigan this morning, I had my iPhone on shuffle. And I think I've played it here on, on TechFam before, but an older version of the MyMac podcast intro came on. And, eh, I don't know, nostalgia or whatever, kind of made me want to record a show it's weird the things that will set you off and make you want to do something you know you listen to a certain song and it makes you want to go out there and play football because you played football when that song was popular on the radio it could be almost anything really but certain songs certain sounds certain whatever it is uh, nostalgia kicks in and you want to go do that and i heard that it was um kind of powerful made me really want to just honestly i kind of wanted to pull over hook up a microphone to my iphone and start recording right there in the car while i was driving but eh, kind of dangerous <laughs> probably wouldn't be the best idea you know so i refrained from doing that but uh, as i record this it's ten fifteen p.m on a tuesday i think it was uh 6 a.m when i heard that this morning so it's been a long day but still, 
I've had the bug all day. I've been podcasting. Uh, next year will be ten years. That's a long time to do any one thing, and uh, I haven't lost my passion. Still love it, and occasionally. Oh, hold on. AC is kicking on at me. Uh, turn it off. The fan will wind down, though. Sorry, the sound you hear. I'm in the hotel room here in Chicago. I know you can still hear the fan. Nothing I can do about it. I turned it off. That's what I just did, but it has this delay that it takes a minute or so for it to finally turn itself off. The joys of living away from home for half a week, every week, it seems. Anyways, um, occasionally I get an email from a listener that uh, really makes my day. They have some really nice things to say. Sometimes it's a critique. They didn't like something. That's cool, too. And sometimes it's about something that I put out there a long time ago, and I've repeated it a few times. And you think, well, maybe no one's really listening to that or no one's interested in that um in this case i put out there that i'm happy to help uh people who want to start a podcast get up and running maybe they're running into technical problems uh they can't figure out how to do the rss hosting issues whatever it is i'm happy to help um if you just want to talk to somebody for 15 minutes to run some ideas by. I'm happy to do those kind of things too. But I got an email last week uh, from uh, Jason DeBerry, and he is looking at starting up a podcast. And uh, he took me up on my offer, and I think that's fantastic. I don't think Jason has actually started recording yet, but I know he's got plans. And uh, we had a, a nice, brief conversation. And I told him what you know I can offer to help him out, and I think he's going to uh, move ahead. It's right now. It looks like the name of the podcast. And listen, don't steal the name. Um, I think it's a good name for a uh, podcast. So don't steal this idea because if you do, well, it's probably nothing will happen except for really bad karma. <laughs> and no, trust me, we don't need bad karma in our lives. Uh, Worship Team Resources is going to be the name of the podcast. And uh, obviously, uh, with a name like that, it's uh, religious-based. That's cool. I am not a religious person, but I really dig when people want to do a podcast. And if that's their thing, I'm 100% for it. Anything positive that you can do in this world that you could put out there, uh, if you keep it positive, I support you 100%. I really do. So look for that here uh, soon. When uh, when Jason launches that podcast, I'll make sure that he records a 30-second ad, and we'll play it right here on TechFan. And if that's your thing, go check it out. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. I, I really, really love it when people get into podcasting for the first time, whether I help them or they get help elsewhere, they figure it out on their own. I don't care. I just... It's this medium that I love so much. It could really do so much. I met another guy today, um, completely unrelated to podcasting or anything, and he's a tech guy, and he's into podcasts, and we were sharing some of our, um, yeah, you know, our, our likes and dislikes about different shows. I kind of 
introduced him to uh, a couple of different shows that he didn't heard about, and he did the same thing my way, and that's always cool. But that's all not, you know, that's not really I was uh, going to talk about this episode. Wow, I'm really tired. Um, two things were bugging me that I wanted to touch on. Uh, and this probably would have been really good discussions with David, but right now it's the middle of the night for David, so I think he would probably not be able to <laughs> get on here and talk with me. First thing is a little bit about podcasting. I got an email uh, from a show that was associated with the Stoplight Network uh, pretty heavily for a while there, asking about reviews. In particular, he was getting offers from companies that they would pay him to review their products. And he wanted my opinion on that since not only is it about podcasting, it's reviews and, you know, I've been doing this for a very long time. And in 2015 will be my 20-year anniversary of publishing MyMac.com. And we've been doing reviews since the very beginning. I mean, that's kind of what MyMac started as. It was an e-zine slash reviews for Mac software. We still do that almost 20 years later. That's what we do. And he wanted to know my take What's the right thing to do? And I told him, it's 100% unethical to take payment from a company to review their software. There's no ambiguity here. There's no gray areas. You take money to review a product, you just flush your ethics down the toilet. Now, yes, you can say, well, just because they're paying me doesn't mean I'm not going to give an honest review. Because I honestly don't think that's possible. If someone is paying you money to review their product, there's an unspoken agreement there, isn't there? If I told you, you know, I'm, I'm going to pull my iPad out, okay? And see some new apps that I've downloaded. Just as an example. I've been actually reading a book on my iPad. It's really good. It's uh it's a Stephen King novel, which I don't I don't Stephen King's not my thing, but it's called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. It's about time travel. It's very interesting. I've about a hundred pages into it or so. It's really good. I'm enjoying it. Um so a new app, let's say, and it's I've got to go to the last page. Star Warfare. I know this is a free app. I haven't even launched it yet. I, I know nothing about it. But let's say I do a review of Star Warfare. And I give it, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I give it an 8. But before I review it, I don't say anything. And I just tell you about the app, and I say it's an 8 out of 10. You'd probably think it was a pretty good app. Well, it must be pretty good. He talked about it for about, you know, two, three minutes, gave it an eight out of ten. I'm gonna give it a try. Same scenario, but right before the review I say, This company paid me hundred and fifty dollars to review this app, and here's my review. Then I go through the exactly the same spiel and give it exactly the same score. Do you trust that review? 
Now, if I was listening to a podcast and someone said, this is, uh, it's not advertising, but they they paid me to, to review their product. Hmm. I don't think I trust it. Do you? So this podcaster asks me, and I tell him, I said, it's unethical. You can't do that, dude. You, you only have your honor, and you can't take that back. Your ethics shouldn't be for sale. And if they are, that says something about you. But once you're a whore, you're always a whore. I know that's harsh and maybe not applicable to this, but I do feel that way. And he wrote me back and he said, thank you. I kind of thought that too, but I kind of wanted to, you know, get someone else's opinion that's been doing this for a long time. I said, happy to help. You know, it's, it's understandable. In today's publishing world, it's very hard to actually make money. Because readers expect the content to be free. Everyone listening to this podcast expects to be able to go to a website and read it and not have to pay. Even though you know that if it's a professional website like the New York Times or whatever it is. Actually, the Times is a bad example because there's a paywall there now for a lot of their content. But if you go to a website and you can't read it because you have to pay for it, you're probably not going to read that website. Most people don't. That's why why the pay-for-reading model has not been successful. What else isn't successful is advertising. When you go to a website, you're not, you don't see any of the ads anymore. We're conditioned not to. The only ones we would probably even notice now are either the really annoying, flashy ones, but that's not an effective ad, is it? Because if it's annoying you, now you have a negative emotion about that product or that company or whatever it is. And you just want to get that off your page. Or it's one of those stupid ads that you accidentally mouse over and it takes your whole screen or it covers up the content. Have you seen these websites yet that you go to and it says, uh, it's, it's just an ad and it says, uh, you can view this page in 10 seconds, 9, 8, and it counts down and once it gets zero, the ad goes away. Was that an effective ad for you? Is that a product now you're interested in going out and learning about? I don't think it is. I think that's annoying to people. I think it's insulting, and it doesn't work. So there isn't a model out there that seems to be very effective for content creators to make a living doing this. That's the sad reality. But I can damn well tell you the answer isn't to whore yourself out to get money to review a product. You're not reviewing a product then. That's an advertisement. Is it effective? Eh, I don't know. I know I'll never do it. And I hoped, let me rephrase that. I really thought that that's how this podcaster was thinking as well. He told me as much. He thought it was probably wrong, but he wanted to get my opinion. Thank you. Happy to help. Mark Greentree sent me an email, and uh, Mark does a lot of podcasts himself. Um, you know, he does not another Mac podcast. He does the geekiest show ever. He does Track Talk. He does International Film Club. 
He blogs for me at uh, Mac Specialist. He writes content for MyMac.com. Very busy guy. Good friend of mine. He sends me an email last week. And he sends me a link to this person's website. And he's asking for, I think it's $150 to review someone's app. And after Mark heard me ranting and raving about this subject in the past, both in public and private, he dropped you know, any contact, any links to that person's website from his own. I did the same thing. I took him off uh, the Stoplight Network's website, which, in all honesty, is woefully out of date. And that's my fault because I just don't have the time to do it like I had hoped. Um, But sometimes, you know, when you don't have time to do certain things, it's because other things are probably going well for you. And that's the case here. It's really... Nobody likes to be disappointed, and no one likes to disappoint others. This seemed pretty cut and dry. But it said something about this particular podcaster's moral compass. To me, anyways. It says something about his character. And your character is who you are. If you're a politician and you take money from special interests and then you vote for that special interests agenda you know what I mean it's very disappointing and I'm sure if I had a conversation with this person he can give me very convincing arguments on why he does that but he would be wrong I don't care how convincing his argument would be he would be wrong. Doing this in a vacuum, i.e., he started a podcast, thought, well, this is a way I could support it. I'm still going to give an honest review, but if you want to have your, your product here or you want your product to move to the top of the review pile, it's going to cost you. But you're not going to get any favorite treatment or anything like that. I'm sure he's told himself that. But he didn't do this in a vacuum. He actually reached out to someone with almost 20 years of experience in publishing. Someone that has almost 10 years of experience in podcasting. Someone that's been around the block a few times. Now, I'm never going to pretend to be the smartest guy in the room. I know I'm not. But I do know a few things. And this is something I do know. Character matters. This person showed his true character. He didn't do this in a vacuum. He asked for advice, and he still went ahead and did it. That's not anybody I want to be associated with. And to his credit, Mark Greentree felt exactly the same way. And he knew how I was going to feel, too. That's why he brought it to my attention. So thank you, Mark. I appreciate that, man. And you're you're absolutely right in your opinion as well by uh, breaking off whatever it was with this person. It's your character. You only have one. It shouldn't be for sale. Let's take a quick break. I'll be right back. I got a bad feeling about this. 
The App Minute Podcast, your one stop for reviews of iOS apps and Apple-related gear. I like the sound of that. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Join us on the App Minute Podcast on the Stoplight Network. Even Han Solo thinks we're cool. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. What? Count me in. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? No! So what I did there was, uh, you know, I hit pause in GarageBand. You guys heard the ad, but for me it was literally five seconds ago since I took that break. And I listened to the last two seconds or so just to make sure that I didn't, you know, mess up anything there. And, uh, Wow, the audio quality is just really not that good, is it? I hope you could forgive me again. I'm sitting in a hotel room. And the funny thing is I've got the the biggest hotel room, um, the biggest suite in this hotel. Not because I'm special, because actually I'm not. I'm here every week. I have a reduced rate, but the hotel was really booked. And so to ensure that I get a room, they actually put me... In the big suite, I've got two bedrooms, a living room, a kitchen area, two bathrooms. It's it's ridiculous. It's me. And when I'm here, I plug my MacBook Pro into the flat screen TV and watch movies that I rent on iTunes. I would watch Netflix, but the Wi-Fi sucks in a hotel. And it's you get to watch about a minute and a half, and then it sits there and buffers for five minutes, and you watch a minute and a half, and it starts buffering again. You can't stream video in a hotel, at least not this hotel. One of these days, I'm going to bring an Ethernet cable plug in and see if that's any better. I don't think it is. It's the, it's the same shared connection, but yeah, just to satisfy my curiosity, I'm going to try that one of these days. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about let me bring this up on my web page here. Left my email running and it just beeped at me. Ooh, good. I wanted. I was waiting to hear back from that person. Um, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Bringing up, uh, I use Chrome, by the way. It is my web browser. Apple's really got to do something with Safari. It's just, I know a lot of you guys use Safari, your Mac users, a lot of you, if not the majority of you. And uh, Safari sucks. I'm sorry, it really does. You know, I, I use it quite a bit on my uh, my iPad. Uh, and that's just because I'm lazy and haven't switched over to uh, Chrome there. But I have switched on my iPhone to Chrome. And uh, I'm not really impressed. I think in mobile, Safari is a better website. Or, I'm sorry, Safari is a better web browser than Chrome is. Now, I have some pages that it won't load at all. It just It's all garbage. And then I launch the same website in Safari on my iPhone, and it, oh, look, it looks perfect. It's weird. Um, in fact, if you want to see the website I'm talking about, go to uh, the Detroit Free Press's website, uh, freep.com, something like that, free press, freep.com, I think, and using Chrome on your iPhone. It's... At least the Detroit Lions page, <laughs> which I check a lot. Um, doesn't work on Chrome, works fine on Safari. But on the Mac, it, man, I get beach balls all the time using Safari. 
and I hardly ever get them in Chrome. Maybe your results vary from mine. I don't know, but I haven't been very I haven't been happy and satisfied with Safari for a very long time on a Mac. Anyways, the uh, other topic I want to talk about is televisions, in particular, the 4K televisions. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this is I was perusing Amazon, and I do that quite a bit. I love Amazon; it's a it's a great website. Um, it shows you the things you've looked at before, so you might be interested in this. And I don't remember looking at televisions, but this was one of the suggestions, which means it was probably uh, an ad that Sony paid to get on the front page of Amazon, so I'll see it. Tricky bastards. It's for the uh, Sony... This is ridiculous. XBR-65X900A. 65-inch 4K Ultra HD 120Hz 3D LED UD... I'm sorry, UHD TV. Really, Sony? Really, that's that's the product's name. I can understand if that was the internal product name. This is the... You're... It's ridiculous. Anyways, that's beside the point. Guy Searle understands my frustrations with product names because he shares that frustration. Just give it a name. That's what it's called. $6,999.99. 65 inch. I've got two HDTVs at home, flat panels. One of them I actually have mounted on the wall. The LG and the uh, older Sony is on a stand in the living room. I could mount that on the wall too. It's just, um, it's fine where it's at. I don't need to. Plus, I don't know if I've got a really good anchor on that wall. And I don't really feel like remodeling my living room just to hang up a TV. So it's good where it is. One's a 46 inch, one's a, see, it's like a 39. It's a weird size, like 39 inch. And uh, the LG was actually made for hotels. It's not necessarily a consumer product TV, but I got it a really good deal in the box, brand new. But I've got a lot of options with this TV that I've never seen on a consumer television before. Uh, I could put my own logo on the TV, so when it's you know booting up, uh, I can make it automatically go to a certain station every time it comes up. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, I've got a lot of features that. I'll never take advantage of. And really, it's just for video games. It's the one in my computer room behind my uh, desk where I have all my video games hooked up to. Okay, that's a lie. Almost none of the video game systems are hooked up to it. They're just sitting there waiting for me to you know, go through a couple different totes to pull out all the different power cables, and that's not going to happen for a while. I'm just... I'm too lazy. Um, or too busy. Regardless, they're both good TVs. I'm happy with both of them. They get great picture quality. But it brought I started thinking about this, looking at this TV on, on Amazon's website. I get 4K. I understand the technology very well. Um, you get a much higher resolution. But didn't, didn't we all just 
finally make the switch over in the last couple of years to 1080p, don't most of us now have a flat screen TV? Has anybody been waiting for what's going to come after the 1080p flat screens with bated breath? Oh, I got to have this. I don't think anybody's waiting for 4K. Seriously, I mean, look, it's 4K Ultra HD, four times more detail than full HD 1080p. Yeah, sell me on that. Sell me on that because what's broadcasting at 4K? Oh, yeah, nothing is broadcasting at 4K. Nothing. Zero. Even with compression, if we move to 4K video streams through Comcast, AT&T, Orange, whatever you use, the number of channels would go way down. Or they'd have to put so much compression on it to fit that you're not getting true 4K anymore. You're going to get artifacts and stuff like that. You have to shoot the content at 4K, because if you don't, you have to upscale it. And sometimes upscaling looks okay, but next to the real thing, yeah, it doesn't. I had a DVR, or I'm sorry, DVD player that would upscale regular DVDs to 1080 or 720. Most of the time they go to like 1080i. They don't go to 1080p. And it did a pretty good job, to be honest. I was kind of impressed. Now, this was a particular one because I needed to do it over composite. The red, yellow, green, you know those? Um, I'm sorry, it was... Uh, geez, what were they? It wasn't red because red's right audio. So I guess it was uh, blue, green... And something. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. I know a bunch of you are yelling at me right now going, it's this color, idiot. And you're right. And I'd probably get it if it wasn't quarter to 11 or as I record this. Um, and the reason I needed that is because my original HDTV was a, it wasn't a flat screen. It was just a, a big Samsung unit. And it didn't have HDMI because when I bought that TV, there was no HDMI. And I wanted to be able to upconvert my DVDs, which I had a lot of, to, you know, high def. And it did a pretty good job. Until <laughs> I actually watched true HD. It was I remember this, uh, I think it was a Discovery Channel or something. And it was this program about undersea. And it was actually filmed... It, you know, high definition. And it looks so good. And it made me realize that the this upscaling DVD, while it did an adequate job, and it still and it looked better than standard DVD, it it really didn't compare to true HD. So why this new TV, I'm sure is great, has a great picture quality. Who wants to buy a new TV where the picture quality is marginally, if that, better than what they have right now because none of the content is at 4K. I don't... It seems ridiculous to me. It really does. And the features that live beyond definition, four times more detail with Sony 4K. Um, it's four times clearer than HD, and they have this little... 
pitcher that is really it makes it look like oh yeah look at this so much better it's it's not it's got a 4K X Reality Pro everything enhanced suddenly everything looks better now even old movies and smartphone video clips are enhanced with stunning results the new 4K X Reality Pro chip enhances HD or re- or lower resolution Images by analyzing, refining images with beautiful natural detail. Really? More brilliant color than ever before. Well connected. The dynamic LED difference. Sound innovation. It. It's boring, isn't it? It is to me. I, I, I think that where's the 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 better audio? I mean the truly better audio. Where's the true innovation in television? I mean, you can keep throwing pixels at the screen, but it's marginally better. Who's going to produce the content? You're really going to go to the movie theater or the the movie studios and television studios and say, oh, yeah, you know that you guys finally got around to doing everything in HD just over the last five years or so? Yeah, well, it's time to upgrade all those $100,000 cameras again. Not going to happen. Half the video editors out there can't handle 4K. There's a few now, but it's you got to have special plugins and... Just to edit 4K video on your computer, you better have a fast and a very large hard drive. Seriously. And I don't question that, you know, the red cameras out there that capture in 4K aren't doing a fantastic job. They are. But as a consumer, am I missing anything by not having 4K? I don't think so. Now, I will honestly say, if you went from, let's say, uh, I don't know, a 27-inch Zenith color TV that you had 20 years ago, and now you buy just a a 599, 46-inch LED HD 1080p TV, are you going to see a difference there? Oh, yeah. It's going to be drastic. It's going to blow your mind. But if you go from that 1080p to this TV, is it going to blow your mind? No, probably not. And I think, quite honestly, 1080p is sufficient. I I don't really... What's the big deal beyond that? I don't think the 4K thing is going to be... I, I just don't see the, the consumers out there mass rushing to replace their HD TVs with 4K TVs. They sure the hell didn't do it two years ago when what was the big innovation? 3D TVs. Nobody cared. It's a big yawn. Some people like me were actually kind of screw you. I'm not getting HD. I'm not getting a 3D. Sit on my couch wearing stupid glasses just to watch mildly interesting effects. It's crazy. In 3D, for the most part, has been a colossal failure. 
and televisions. Again, some of that can be attributed to very little content. And let's be honest, most of it is kind of a gimmick anyways. Now, is 4K a gimmick? No, it is It is what it says it is. It's a better image quality. But at what point can you keep cramming the same or more pixels in the same space? It's It doesn't make any sense. And I understand why it's so expensive because it's new technology and blah, 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 blah. But who the hell is buying this TV? Extremely rich people that have to have the latest and greatest toys? Probably, maybe. But even rich people, I don't think, are looking to upgrade their TV every year or two. Are they? Is that what they're spending their millions of dollars on? If I had, if I won the lotto tomorrow, would I go out and buy a 4K TV? Hell no. $7,000 TV? No, I would not do that if I won the lotto. You know what I would rather do with that $7,000? Help a family in need. How about that? Now, yes, I would buy some toys. I'd definitely buy a new house. Uh, I'd definitely like a better car. But honestly, my 05 Honda Accord runs great. But sure, I would, I'd love a new car. Nice BMW or something. That'd be awesome. Ooh, Tesla. Yeah. But TV? I don't see it. What do you guys think? Do you Would you run out and buy one of these 4K TVs if you just hit the lotto? And forget the lotto, just if money's not an object. Is that what you're doing? I, I don't think so. I don't think hardly anybody really... I'm sure there's people out there who's like, oh, yeah, I'd really like one of those 4K TVs. For that much more money? What are you getting out of that? I mean, that's a lot of money for a television. I remember when flat screens started to kind of become a new thing that people wanted, and they were pretty expensive, but I don't remember them being up at $7,000. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm... I'm sure there were some. I mean, there's still some that are 1080p televisions that expensive, but they're specialty televisions. I don't know. I'd love to hear what you guys think of that. You can uh, send an email, uh, either Tim or David, either one of us, at techfanpodcast.com, or go to our website, techfanpodcast.com, and leave a uh, message under show, uh, what is this? This is 117. Let's see if I've got any... I think we're all caught up on our feedback at the moment. I don't see anything that we didn't go over. Mm, Yeah, that was that one, but that's for David. So with that, I think I'm going to wrap up this uh, shorter episode of the Tech Fan Podcast. Really appreciate you guys listening to it all the way through. Um, It's odd to do a solo show after being with a, a podcast partner all the time but you know David and I did make a commitment to uh, try to get these shows out on a more consistent basis it's important to David it's important to me and uh, you know we really we love doing the show and uh, we hope that you guys enjoy listening to it uh, even half as much as we enjoy putting it together then we're successful love to hear feedback from you guys and uh, we'll see you this coming weekend David and I together again bye bye